Gina. Life, love and laughter. Well, I am with Ian Hopkins. I'm holding two books here and this feels a little bit strange for me, Ian, because in fact, I feel a little bit guilty because the book stops here is the book that I want to chat to you about. As I started reading this, just before we actually started this uh, podcast, I said to you, damn, I feel like I've missed out because I want to learn more about these characters and, and, and I've read the first book, Skelp the Aged, and you've given me both books. I'm really grateful. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Gina. <laughs> so I want to start with the book stops here, but we have to obviously touch on Skelp the Aged as well. And uh, the first thing, in fact, I want to rewind just a little bit because there were people listening to this thinking, I'd love to write a book. I mean, they say there's a book in everyone, don't they? And you are a writer. I mean, you've written for like not nine o'clock news, you know, spitting the image. At what point did you think, and I guess it was a natural progression, I'm going to write a book? Uh, well, it's a, do we have to tell the truth? Do we? Yes, the truth. Okay, the truth is... Honesty. Yeah, the first book, Skelp the Aged, was uh, a stage play. It was rejected by all the stage companies and then we converted it to television format and it was rejected by uh, the one uh, television company that will remain uh, nameless, which is that's with BBC in the second world, <laughs> Scotland. And we said, what we're going to do, uh, well, we'll turn it into a musical as a last resort. And Frank Sinatra had just died because he would have played Mongo. Uh, and we said, let's have a go at a novel. And that's how it arose. We wrote it as a novel and sent it off to one publisher, Pegasus, commercial there for Pegasus. Plug uh, it. <laughs> and they wrote back very quickly and gave us an advance. And we thought, woof, we've been wasting 35 years writing for television and stage. No, that's not quite true. <laughs> so that's the truth. And wow. Well, that, it w- and if you want me to carry on, if that's all right. The second one... Uh, we already had in the cupboard after the first one was published and it was written as a television sitcom, not the stage at all, and that was rejected as well. We said, well, let's go with that. But the second half of the second book was a half-hour sitcom that we expanded and novelised, if that's the right word. Uh If it's not, it's a new one, free. You are, uh, what's the fancy word? Because I knew when I was preparing myself for this, uh, I don't even want to say like interview because I feel like I know you, uh, this, this chat. You are, is lexicologist, is that the word? You're a wonderful wordsmith. Ooh. I felt like I had to learn a big word for you uh, with some of the words that I've come across in your books. A lexicologist. Yes. That's fine, I'll start using that in my CV. <laughs> yes, Gina McKee said. Uh, so before we talk about the book stops here, let's talk about the success of the first book. Now you've mentioned that word rejection a few times. Was there ever a point? <laughs> I feel like I need to touch on that. Was there ever a point we thought, maybe I should just give up? Well, not really because we had the uh, television uh, success uh, behind us in terms of Not in 9 O'Clock News, which is still our favourite show. And then uh, we did, uh, what was it called? Theo Kind, uh, Lenny Henry and David Copperfield and Tracy Ullman. We never even turned up for the writers' meeting. That was a big disappointment. Tracy Ullman and I love her too. Uh, but I forgive her. <laughs> uh, and what else did we do? Naked Radio and Naked Video. And then John started writing series books, uh, which are out there, there's three of them. And I carried on with Spitting Image, which was uh, quite uh, an amusing and semi-lucrative. No, that's a, that was a, I did it for nothing, tax man. <laughs> uh, so we had that to, to fall back on. But what really gave us the confidence with... Oh, sorry, you weren't on the books. You were talking about the television and stage. No, I'm loving your chat. I, I, listen, I can tell if, if you're familiar with uh, Ian Hopkins' work, you'll know he's a wonderful storyteller. No, I'm loving the story. 
Well, what really gave us confidence was the book we sent it to. Sadly, he's passed on. Uh, Professor Gordon Kirk, who was a friend, but he, I knew he wouldn't get a friendly answer. He would tell the truth, and he raved about the book. Uh, the first book, Scalp the Aged, and also another guy who happened to have an OBE for services to English and literature, Graham <coughs> Hislop, ex, uh, ex-principal of Langside College. Gordon was eventually vice-principal of Edinburgh University after being principal of Murray House. So these two guys almost had one voice as regards, go for it, it's absolutely super. So... That gave us the confidence. We were prepared for an hour pile of rejections because if you think television and stage is bad for rejections, the publishing world is notorious for not even writing back. But we we struck gold or brass or copper or whatever. Let's be positive. Million. Put the thought out there. Uh, not yet. <laughs> I know you had a very successful launch at, at Waterstones uh, for this second. Sadly, I, I didn't attend it for it. The book stops here, so I wanted to chat about this. Right. Um, and when I actually got the book, this is what I didn't expect. I, I like to kind of like flick through, you know, and I never always go to the end. There's pictures and in it. I was just going to say, the pictures are <laughs> great. That's right. But the first picture that I came across was, uh, I think it was a fake fur Mongolian kind of like jacket thing yes. I thought well that was just not what I expected is that what you kind of want people to kind of get from the book from the storylines from the characters you just never quite know what to expect yeah, I would probably take that as a compliment yeah that was a huge compliment yeah it's um, then I saw a, a lovely shoe a pair of shoes if the book's anything it's a satire of, and there are many targets probably every target we could think of that we didn't really particularly like the hypocrites and the plonkers etc etc <laughs> Uh, and yeah, that's the picture's probably a small example of a tongue in cheek. Yes, I got that. I um, I, I was in Verona not that long ago, so I think I saw a nice picture of Venice in your book. Come no, around. no, that's Borfoot Harbour. <laughs> I got that right. I was, I was, I was getting a feel for the book, and I was like, okay, I think I get where this is. Yeah, this is going. Well-travelled, Gina, obviously. Well, not really. It was just luck. How well that's. Let's talk about the gravitational waves. Weird things keep happening to me. I mean, I might never have recognised that if I hadn't been to yes. the harbour, of course, that you're talking about. Um, so let's actually talk about, for someone that's got no idea what this book is about, the Buick stops here. Uh, and a lovely picture, of course, of this sort of American car on at the front. There's a kind of allusion to Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and yeah, Clyde. Which are now, now called Mongo and Ethel. Which yeah, is brilliant. Because right, she handles a shotgun. <laughs> right, in the first book. Don't give it all away. Don't give it all away. No, don't worry. But what would you, how would you describe this book if you were uh, talking about, if you were doing your talk and someone didn't know, had no idea what this book was about, how would you sell it? I'd probably not sell it well by saying this, but you either get the book or you don't get it. And it, it's divided the nation, should I say. What and do you it, mean by that? You either get, you mean you get the characters, you get. Well, if, I don't want to be too academic about this. No, but, go on. Well, I've been studying comedy quite furiously recently and the people that come back and say but there's no story but in a comic novel there very rarely is a story it's all character based Mm -hmm. right so if you get the characters and if you get what John and I have done with especially the main character Mongo we use Mongo to some extent as a voice our voice and the people that get it love it and fall about laughing and other people just don't get it 
when you say like, okay, right, some people get it and some people, some people don't. That's not an offensive thing to say. I think. No, I'm just telling you, the, telling you the truth. It's kind of black and It's white. a divide. If okay. You, if you get it, they love it. If they don't get it, there's, there's very little middle ground. When it, my, my wife, for instance, she's middle ground. There are bits she really enjoys and bits she doesn't. This is Gina. Gina. Life, love and laughter. So was this was this, was this quite a difficult for you and Jock? Was this a difficult book to write? Bear in mind the you know the follow up to Scalp Aged was it? How it's, difficult was this to write? That's a very good question, and the answer is I think John would totally agree as well. I thought it'd be easy to write a sequel because the characters are fully formed. You got the basis, yeah. Yeah, you got it, and you would think that would be easy. I found it twice as hard to write the second one because sometimes you fall between two stools. It's meant to be standalone. You don't have to have read the first one, so you're not really at a disadvantage talking to me just now, Gina. But, I, but isn't that interesting, though, because when I started this, I felt like I, I was I had, I had, was missing out. Maybe, maybe a wee bit, because there, there are a few references in the second book to the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably for commercial purposes as well, just in case you hadn't bought the first one. But I gave her a free copy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pegasus, hang on. <laughs> yeah, and it does say on review copy as well. Yeah, it's well done. Uh, oh, right, yes, I had a review copy. Yeah. No, no, I, I saw that. And why did you decide to call it then the Buick Stops Here? Uh, just, I think it was a phrase we came up with probably for a sketch way back. Remember, I've been doing it so long, I forget. But uh, it's just a parody on Harry Truman said when he became president. I think it was Harry Truman, late 40s. He said, the buck stops here. In other words, I'm the last point and I decide. Mm -hmm. And the character in that called Dixie has a big fancy American Buick car and she moves 12 yards occasionally from her hairdresser shop (laughs) to her ex-husband's bookie shop and she parts a beauty there to remind him of how successful she has been after he left her. (laughs) There's so much learning in this. There's puns on the word Buck and Buick. Oh, I see. Right. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. I get that now. And is, I mean, for me, I think this is just a great holiday read. I'm not trying to say it as a holiday read, but I think this is, you know, when you go off, you just want to switch off from uh, from what's going on in the world. You kind of just, this is a book you can just pick up really and I think just switch off from. I might remind you of some of the rotten things that are going on in the world that we're poking fun at. Well, that's, that's if you get the book. Correct. Right. Or if you just want to kind of switch off and just immerse yourself in the in the story, then I think it's that's what the book is. That's what it is for me. Good. Is there, I mean, what are the plans for, you know, do you want to take this like further? Is it going to be like a just, another book? It's nearly finished just now, number three. I had a funny feeling there was going to be another one. Okay. And what's the title? You're like, well, the last thing we write is the title. We argue for ages. John didn't particularly like it. You know, as I tell the truth, he didn't particularly like Scalp the Aged as a title. But it's it's what one does because people laugh without knowing anything about the book because it's a a, a parody on help the help aged. the aged yeah and it looks like you're scalping the aged I can we can do this in a Scottish program south of Newcastle uh, they don't know what scalp means but the truth is about the first book it's the old couple went out and they scalped back as the back cover says. But here, the, the title's not held you back because before no, no, we started this, yeah, you were, titles help promote it. You were no, saying that no, you, no. you you had a wee gig in a care home. Am I allowed to mention McCarthy Stone? There's another wee plug for you, Mike, if we're getting them in. That'll cost them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not helped you back. So there's, it's tongue in cheek. That would have been scared that you know, you're not, there's nothing naughty no, in that. It's, a, it's, a, it's the opposite. They, they just scale back. It's, it sounds as if the, the age. 
the older people are getting a hard time. Well, they do get a hard time to start with because it's based in truth. I can't wait to read that. Thank you so much. I can't wait to read this. Right, so book number three. Uh, so book number three. You asked me about the, the title. Uh, the title. Yeah, the working title is... It's uh, not good when two tangent talkers are together, really, is it? <laughs> That's fine. The last thing we seem to get together on is uh, to agree on is the title. And we've only got a working title at present, which is John's. And it's the title is It Hurts, But We Need the Money. And that's all we've got so far. <laughs> it might be because Buckfast features largely in the lives of the two main characters. I love the Bucky Colladas. I read about this. Is, it, is Bucky Colladas a thing or is Bucky Colladas something you've... No, it's an invention. Well, oh, I don't know. So it probably do exist. I quite fancy trying a wee glass of the Bucky Colladas from what I read. Absolutely. So it might be that the title for book three is The Bucky Stops Here. Oh, I like it. Well, it's... You might get a sponsorship deal. Okay. So the first thing, when I get, again, as I said, you know, I was flicking through the book, I come across all nice pictures, then I come across gravitational waves. I thought, am I going to understand some of this stuff? So uh, what is gravitational wave? Well, the jury still, I really can't answer. There's, there's so many theories about it. Well, you have tried to explain it in the book. If yes. you do get the book, then... I think we need to, if people are interested in that, then they'll need to buy the book because uh, John wrote that bit and I still don't understand it. Okay, but ever since I have read that phrase, I swear, Ian, and this was last week when I got the book, strange things are happening. So I don't know if I've put the thought out there <laughs> with, with, you know, some Einstein weird stuff is going on with gravitational waves. Yeah. So you have to buy the book or download the book to actually understand what that means. So the Buick Stops here is out now. You had a successful launch, as we said, at Waterstones. I will look forward to coming to the next launch of the next book. And uh, you can get it through Pegasus or... or Reliable bookshops or the last resort, Amazon. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> the last resort, Amazon. Why is that? Uh, because we don't get nearly as much if Amazon <laughs> have screwed our small publishers, <laughs> Pegasus. This, but this... having said that, they're brilliant because I'm doing a bit of research and comedy at present and the books that are out of print. I mean, they're not, they're not all bad. Mm-hmm. Bad from an author's point of view, brilliant from a buyer's point of view because mm-hmm. I'm getting these books... Uh, second hand at ridiculously low prices. But you want to make bu- you want to make the big bucks or the the Buick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big Buicks. Yes, you want to make the big Buicks. That's what you're aiming for. So so buy the book and uh, also you get it through Pegasus or uh, I tell you if you ever meet Ian Hopkins in the, the pub because he likes a pint then you just have to sit down and say like I did look could I possibly get a first copy of the book and he might even have one in, his, in the boot of his car <laughs> in your Buick. And it's not a Buick. <laughs> it's not a Buick. No. Ian, thank you so much. Uh, for coming in and chatting to me and of course for John we should mention John as well of course you're yes. you're, um, you're, right, you're right and partner and it really if you're looking for something a little bit different would you sum it up in like go on 10 like 10, 10 seconds I was going to say 10 minutes so 10 seconds if you just to sum it up the Buick stops here dot 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 well they'll find it different because uh, authorial intrusion which is the author interjecting is deliberately built into it. And not only do you get one author, you get two. So every time Mungo does something, there's John on one of his shoulders and me on the other talking behind his back. It's absolutely brilliant. And I'm quite sure if you read this book, you'll get it. And that's, I have to end on that, I think. If you read this book, you'll absolutely get it. Oh, Ian, thanks for coming in. Thanks oh, for chatting to us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Gina. Gina. Life. Love. And laughter. Like and share us and come back for the next episode next week.